And I hope you'll find your bulletin insert that has our passage of Scripture printed upon it, found in the second chapter of the book of Ruth. And while you're looking for that, let me remind you about the meal immediately following this worship service in uh, Robinson Hall to benefit the nursery renovation in memory of, of Debbie Leathers. Uh, all of you, including visitors, are invited to that meal if you would like to come. Of course, the book of Ruth is a whole story about redemption. We're only going to read a short portion of it. I hope that most of you are familiar with this story, but in case there are any here today who aren't, I am including uh, some background information about the story in the sermon. So let us begin to read together the Word of God at uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. 
have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Well, we're here at the end of summer as today's weather reminds us. And for the most part, the big rush of the wedding season is over. If you're like me, you read in the paper over the weekends through the summer and there are always all kinds of weddings taking place. And I'm sure that in some of those ceremonies, the much-beloved words of the book of Ruth were heard. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And while those words display a great depth of feeling and emotion, I'm not sure how appropriate they are for a wedding ceremony when we take them into context. And I mean by that, those are Ruth's words pledging her devotion to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And I just want to ask you, how many grooms do you know who want to do that? (laughs) But whether appropriate for weddings or not, the story of Ruth is a magnificent story. It's a very old story, maybe close to 3,000 years old. And while it's an old story, we can be sure it's a true story because it's a story about a family in trouble, a family that has hit on hard times and had to move like so many in our day and time, a father who dies leaving his wife and two sons poorly provided for, two sons who marry women of another culture and another religion, a mother-in-law who does not understand her daughters-in-law and yet finds herself joined to them in misery and grief when her two sons and their husbands die. In short, it's a family that has to go through a good many of the kinds of things that your family and my family have to encounter as well, though they seem to have experienced more pain than most of us. And I think it would pay us to remember that women in that day and time were considered property. They either belonged to their father's household or to their husband's household or to their son's household. And without a man to claim them, most women in that day and time only had two options and neither one of them were good. They could either sell themselves into slavery in order to eat and live or they could sell themselves by prostitution. These three women left alone, Ruth, I mean Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, had no place, no one to protect them or provide for them, and that's why Naomi does the only thing she knows to do, to go home to the land of Palestine. She's been in the land of Moab. 
And she decides to go home and she tells her two daughters-in-law to do the same, to go back to their families there in their homeland of Moab. She convinced Orpah and that daughter-in-law tearfully says goodbye, but Ruth refuses to leave. In fact, in chapter 1, we're, we're told that she clings to Naomi, and that's the same Hebrew word that we find in the book of Genesis when it says of marriage that a man will cling to his wife and they will become one flesh. And so we see that maybe this story is appropriate for weddings after all. She clung to her mother-in-law as if she were married to her. She refused to leave. So these two women return to Bethlehem, and you can imagine there would be quite a stir in the village because all of a sudden, here comes long-lost Naomi, a woman we haven't seen for years, and who is this with her? It was bad to have to leave one's home, one's friends, and neighbors. It was bad to have to live through, the, through a famine and the uncertainties of a, a new life and a new land. It was bad to have to bury husband and two sons. But for all of this to have happened to one person, it was just too much. And so when her old friends and her old neighbors come running out to her saying, Naomi, Naomi, it's so good to see you, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. That used to be my name. That name means pleasant. I want you to call me Mara, for that name means bitter. You see, I left this land full of family and full of hope for the future, and now... I've returned empty. Call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Just like in our day and time, we see that life can be hard. Now, according to the last verse of chapter 1, they come to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You know, that's a good time to show up because there's going to be some food around. And so Ruth sets out to provide for the two of them. We've talked about in sermons in here before how the law instructed landowners to leave the corners of their fields for the poor to glean. That was one of the ways in which God built into His law care and love for poor and needy people. And so Ruth is out there hard at work in the field doing what the law says she can do. And she's noticed by the owner, Boaz. The two meet, and to make a long story short, he indicates his willingness to marry her, and she indicates her willingness to marry him. And they become a family and bear a child, and Naomi has a grandson and security, and we might say they live happily ever after. In other words, life can be hard, but God is good. God is faithful to His people. It's a beautiful story, and, and I don't know about you, but one that I can read over and over again, not just because it's brief and only four chapters, but because it has such a beautiful and wonderful ending. I mean, for all the pain and, and death and agony that we encounter in the first chapter, 
we experience that much and more of joy and suspense and love and hope in the last three chapters. You know, the underdog wins. The poor become extraordinarily rich. And we all love good endings like that. We hope our lives will end as well. But to appreciate the story to its fullest, we have to understand why such a good ending is there. It finds its basis in the theme of redemption. Just as redemption is the theme of this whole book of Ruth, so is it surely the theme of this particular passage before us. A redemption that is costly, I might add. Because we naively read this story if we see Boaz as an old man who's getting a young, pretty wife. You know, sometimes I think we men tend to read the story this way, and that's all we see in it. But what we have to understand is how much his life is changing, and not just because he's getting married. He's changing his whole way of life because he's about to marry a Moabite woman, which is taboo in Israel, not to mention against the law, according to Deuteronomy 23. No Israelite is supposed to marry a foreigner, but in so doing, he's taking on the care and responsibility as well of not just Ruth, but Naomi also. If you read the whole story and remember it, you may remember that the story makes it clear while the next of kin who's in line to receive that particular inheritance where, whereas he would have gladly bought the land that goes with the inheritance, he wanted no part of the deal when he found out that it involved Ruth and not just Ruth, but Ruth and Naomi and their care. But you see, Boaz was willing to pay the price to do whatever was necessary to serve as the kinsman redeemer. Do whatever was necessary to remain faithful to that part of the law, which no doubt took precedence in his eyes over the part of the law that said you shouldn't marry a foreigner. The happy ending is there because Boaz is willing to pay the price of redemption, even though Ruth was a foreigner, even though she had no standing, not even as she tells us herself in our passage of Scripture, I don't even have the standing of a servant girl. Why are you doing all of this for me? I just wonder, would you and I have been as faithful as Boaz? Would we have been willing to pay that kind of price? Because redemption is always costly. High on a hill in the city of Montreal, I've never been there, but I've read about it. The Oratory St. Joseph stands some 500 feet above street level. And this shrine draws thousands of visitors every year from all over the world. And part of the way up the steep hill to that chapel, there's a sign that reads, for those who wish to go the way of the cross, take the escalator to the rear. Don't you find that kind of ironic? 
Harley Rosenberger does, and he mentions that in his book, Thoughts Along the Road. He says, There was no theological statement intended by the priest who placed that sign along the steps. Nevertheless, there's a message in the sign for you and me, and that message is that there's no easy way to redemption. No easy way at all. Despite what some would have us believe, salvation is not easily attained and cannot be had without sacrifice. And whether we would have been as faithful as Boaz, whether we would have paid the price is not really the question after all, is it? The question is, has the ultimate price been paid for your redemption and for mine? And the answer is yes. It's been paid by God Almighty through the gift of His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in this way of looking at the issue of redemption within the context of the story, we begin to see, or should begin to see, that the actions of Boaz, his, his character, his care, his provision, his grace, grace which gave standing to Ruth when she had no standing, all of this is indicative of God's care for us, is it not? Is that not part of what this story is saying? That we too have a Redeemer because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That just like Ruth, we too have no standing and deserve no special treatment. It's like we were talking about in last week's sermon with the Apostle Paul saying, not many of you were wealthy, not many of you were noble, not many of you were influential. And yet all of that is changed in Jesus Christ because God has given us that and more in the gift of His own Son. And to make sure that we don't miss any of this, that we see the great reward that God has bestowed upon Ruth and upon us eventually, our author concludes his story by saying, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may His name be known in Israel. And the women of the neighborhood gave Him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. Now obviously it was Ruth's son. But you see what the women were saying. After all of these terrible things that Naomi had gone through, now she had hope once again. And she had that hope because of the work of a Redeemer, of one who was willing to pay the price. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. So we see that Ruth, a woman of no standing, a foreigner, a stranger, a woman who was alone and vulnerable with no future and no hope, has a child in Bethlehem. And the child of Ruth was named Obed. He was the grandfather of David the king. And Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, reminds us that David, through a long line of descendants, was eventually the father of Joseph, 
the carpenter, and Joseph was the father of another baby boy born in Bethlehem, whose name was Jesus, Joshua, which means God will save. And that Bethlehem baby named Jesus helps us to see that this story of Ruth and Boaz isn't simply a 3,000-year-old love story. It's not simply a story to show how you and I should accept foreigners and strangers and help those around us who are in need. Obviously, that's an application that we can make from this story and something we should draw from it that we should follow the example of Boaz always and have that kind of grace and compassion in our lives to reach out to those around us, the strangers, those who are alone and vulnerable and need help in this world. But that's not the most important part of this story. Ultimately, we're reminded that it's God's story. God's love story of salvation for His people Israel and for you and me. A story of redemption culminated at the cross with the sacrificial death of Jesus which gives you and me standing when we had none. You see, it's like the old hymn says, Jesus paid it all. He paid the total price of redemption. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And we get to see that wonderful picture of redemption right here in the the table of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper where it provides this wonderful drama of all of that redemption and the cost that was paid that God gave on our behalf and for us so that we might live not just life but an abundant life with His grace and His mercy and His peace poured out upon us. So as we look at this table and as we think about this wonderful love story in the book of Ruth, let's worship in remembrance of Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Father,